Definitely be praying for that. Amen. Well, let's jump right into tonight's lesson here. Joshua chapter number 10. Uh, Joshua chapter number 10. Uh, we talked about or have been talking about the, how Gibeon uh, kind of deceived Joshua into making a peace with them or making a treaty with them. And tonight we're going to look at what takes place to Gibeon because of the peace treaty that he, he, uh, they signed with Israel. And so we're going to look here in uh, Joshua chapter number 10. Let's read together. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and read. We're going to read all 10 verses, then we're going to come back and kind of go through the verses together. And, and uh, the first couple of verses, there's a lot of names that, that are hard to pronounce, so I'm going to do my best to pronounce them. And uh, I might just say, and, and skip on to the next one, we'll see, but <laughs> they're kind of hard to pronounce there. So you got your Bible, Joshua 10, let's begin reading in verse number one. Now it came to pass when Adonai, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and, uh, and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho, and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, and that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, the king of, a king of Jerusalem sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Param, king of Jermouth, uh, and unto king of Lachish, and unto Debris, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me and help me, that we may spite, smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the, king, the five kings of the Amorites the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. So here we are. Uh, Israel has signed a treaty with uh, Gibeon, and because of their treaty with Gibeon, the these five kings gather together and they go attack or they go to war against Gibeon. Now, verse number six, And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered there together against us. And Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. And, thou, and there shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came up, came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomforted them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. And chased them along the way that goeth to Bethran, and smote them to Ezekiah and unto Mekedah. Now, and it came to pass in verse number 11, it came to pass that they fled from 
before Israel and were in the going down to Bethron. Now look, it's amazing what God can do when they simply uh, follow his leadership. Now I'm going to back up. We're going to go through three different thoughts here tonight. Number one is the assault made by the Amorites. Amorites. Uh, so here we are uh, in verse number one. The king, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. I don't know if one of you guys that are better at pronouncing stuff than that, you might be able to help me out here. But why, why did they come against Gibeon? Why did this king decide that it was his job to go against Gibeon? Why? What was his motive? What was his motive for the Amorites to come against the king or the place of Gibeon? What do you think? Why do you think they had a motive to do this? Yes, sir. I, don't, I think they didn't want to lose their, 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 their land. Yeah. They didn't want to lose their land. Yeah. See, if I understand correctly, when Joshua came in to Israel, he attacked it in the middle to divide their forces. Jericho and Ai and now to Gibeon. So he divided the country, and then he later on gets the rest of the country. But what he had done with Gibeon, the Bible says in, uh, I, let's see, in verse number uh, two, uh, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty Look, these men of Gibeon, now, look, they, they pulled the wool over Joshua's eyes, but these men were mighty men. These men were, were, uh, were men of valor. I mean, this is what the Bible tells us, that this city was greater than Ai. This city was greater than Ai. I don't know how big the city was, but they began to get in their mind, we can't let Gibeon join forces with Joshua because they're going to be not unstoppable. So let's kill them now before they get bigger. Let's kill them now before they join forces. Look, in verse number one, now it came to pass when the king of Jerusalem had heard, what did he hear? What did he hear about? He had heard about Jericho. He heard about Ai. And, Ai. and he heard about Joshua, Joshua and Jericho. He didn't want none of that happening down there in the Amorites' land. He didn't want none of that going on in, in Jerusalem. He wanted to protect that. Uh, uh, he wanted to stir up that the mess, stir up the uh, uh, against against God, against the assault against uh, Gibeon, against the Lord's army. You know, and it's just like Satan. Satan doesn't set by idly and let things happen. If Satan can get in and mess things up and break things up and stir things up and keep things divided and keep things uh, in, uh, in disunity, then he will mess up alliances, he'll mess up friendships, he'll break up those things because Satan doesn't want any of that. 
And so just like when, when the Amorites came up there to Gibeon, they just simply wanted to get in between Gibeon and, Jerusalem, and Israel, get in between, I'm sorry, between the Israelites and Gibeon. They needed to get in between it. But Satan doesn't stop. Satan wants to get in, in, into church and he wants to create disunity. Bible, what is that verse, Brother Blackie, 133, Psalms 133, 1? Do you know that? In unity. You know, God wants us to dwell in unity. Satan wants us to be you know, on this page and this page and all go in your own direction. But, but Satan, that's what Satan wants. And if Satan can get us to do that, we'll be pulling against each other. Satan, got, if Satan can get in there and destroy Gibeon and destroy this and divide this and split that. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. See, this king didn't, not only did he not want to do this alone, but he had to go get more than one person to with him. Because he went out and, uh, now, all these different names, I'm, I'm not going to say them right. So if you go down to verse number five, he says there were five kings. He got the, the king of the Amorites, king of Jerusalem, king of Hebron, king of Jeremoth, king of Lachish, and king of Eglon. He wanted to go get Gibeon bad. Now, if you have five different cities, five different kings, that's a strong army, would you say? Yeah. That's a lot of people. Now, I don't know exactly how many people, but would you say? that they should have trouble with one city? Gibeon? They ought to be able to go up there and smack Gibeon just like that. And that's what they thought was going to happen. But then God intervened. See, Satan will pull up everything in our past, everything to get us to, get, to, get us to try to fail. Everything. Pull against us. You know, if Satan was... Bra uh, bold enough to tempt Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's not scared of us. Oh shoot! No. If you're going to tempt the Son of God, who cannot sin, He's going to try to tempt us and get us to do wrong and get us to do wrong. The one that created Him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. What a multitude He brought with Him uh, there. And this king is, is a wicked king. Now, I want you to think about this as well, is that uh, would you say this, that the assault that took place on Gibeon, uh, would this be a small assault or a big assault? Big. Overwhelming? Scary? Can you imagine in, in your mind... Uh, here you are in the city, of, here they are in this great city, okay? It's a royal city. Uh, and five armies come to war with you. Is that overwhelming? Are there times in your life when life is overwhelming? Are there times in life when it seems like Satan is against you and you can't break through? and you're overwhelmed, and you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to go, and you don't know what's going to happen next, is not sometimes life like that? Hmm. 
Because Satan loads the barrel. Satan loads it against us. Now, I do not always think that everything we face is always the hand of Satan. Sometimes I do think that sometimes God is testing us to try to get us to grow or try to get us to grow closer to Him. You know, we do give the devil too much credit. Because nothing can come to us except Jesus lets it happen. That's true. Because the devil's working for Him. Well, before Satan could come against Job, he had to ask permission. That's correct. You know, uh, Satan works against us. Anything that comes to us, the devil has to ask for permission for it to happen, for God to see how we handle it. If we stay true to him, he had pushed the devil away. Well, the Bible talks about in the New Testament, I, and I'm, I'm not exactly for sure, it says submit to the Lord and then resist the devil right. and he will flee from us. Right. Now, there's steps for us to get the devil to resist. Um, the, you know, you go back to the story of Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham went to the top of the mountain, um, it was a test of God. God was testing him to see if he would trust him um, for that sacrifice. And uh, there are times in our life, things that happen that are given to us by God and from God. And then there are times in our life when it's given to us from Satan and Satan wants to see us trip and fall and fail and, 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 make a, and get out and do things we shouldn't do. Satan wants to attack us. And sometimes in our life, we do face things that are overwhelming. If, if you study this, that one of these groups of people that was with uh, the Amorites, were, they were giants. They were part of the giant tribe. In Numbers 13, 33 tells us that. Deuteronomy 1, says that. And Joshua 14, 12 tells us that one of these groups of the Amorites, they were the giants. So not only were there five uh, kingdoms basically coming against Gibeon, but they also had giants coming against them. And you think about what took place in 1 Samuel and how, how Goliath stood in the face of all these men and nobody wanted to go against him. Nobody wanted to go against one giant, much less a whole army of giants. Sometimes we face giants in our life and we have to go to the next step. And we got to go to number two. You know what number two is? We got a plea. We need a plea. What's that? The plea from the Gibeonites. Who'd they go to? Who did the Gibeonites go to for help? Joshua. 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 Why? They knew his record. <laughs> yeah. Who was on Joshua's side? God. The Lord was. Yeah. God was. And so when we run into an issue and when life is overwhelming and the giants are facing against us and it doesn't seem like we can win, we have to go to the Savior. We have to go to the Lord and say, look, I can't handle it on my own. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Verse number six tells us, and the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up. 
to us quickly. We need help. Save us and help us. They came to a place when they knew that Joshua was the answer. And the reason Joshua was the answer was because of Joshua's God that brought them through Ai and brought them over Jericho and helped them cross the, the water. This is proof that God can, God will, and God does. But when we're faced with overwhelming odds, who do we have to go to? That's it. It's got to be more difficult than that. No, it's not. I make things more difficult. I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes I, I think I've got to figure it out and do things my way. And, but ultimately, who has the answer? Jesus. Who can help me when I'm overwhelmed? Jesus. Who can help me when giants are facing me? Jesus. That's right. But who do we have to go to for that? We have to go to him. You know, God blesses us, and when we take those blessings and we put them in our little pouch, when we face a giant, if we don't have the ammunition, we're not going to take him down. It's like a savings account. You put it in, you leave it, when something comes up that you have to have something, you can pull it out and take care of it. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with trusting God. As long as we have the stones in our little bag, well, we can take the giant down. Well, we've got to be faithful to believe. We've got to be faithful to go to him. They ran to Joshua. They ran to Joshua. And they, and they pleaded to Joshua, please help us. It shows their passion. Then they also talked about their position. They, they're servants. He says, slack not thy hand from thy servants. He's tell, they're telling Joshua, I'm your servant. Now look, I mean, this, they just made the, the treaty with Joshua. I'm your servant. I need your help. I need your help. They ran to God. They were liars, but they knew there was a shield. They knew there was safety. They knew that there was protection in God under Joshua's wing. They were earnest in their prayers. They were earnest after God, asking God to help them, asking God to, to, uh, to uh, save them. What does that song say? Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus, huh? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. You know, we need to take our, pray, our needs, our prayers, our, our, oh, the, the time that it's overwhelming, and we need to go to God. And sometimes that's easier said than done. Agree? Or do you always run to God when you're overwhelmed? That's the best place to go. Well, it's the best place to go. Who else are you going to go to? Nowhere. Set in your self-pity. Mm. Yeah, set, 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 set in your over, being overwhelmed. Cloth and ashes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nope. 
Sometimes it's, the, it's a tough decision to go to the Lord because you have to admit fault. And you have to admit failure. He knows your fault anyhow. I know, but do you like to admit fault? Do you like to admit that you're failure? Huh? Do you like to admit that you failed? No, I've failed many, many, many times. Do you like to admit it? I don't care. It don't bother me. My hide's thicker than that. I don't like to admit that I failed. You're 35 years old. I'm 75. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, preacher, I don't like to fail. Right. But I have. But I don't like to. Right. And you know, Joshua, right, and, and Joshua, the, the studying that we've been doing on Joshua, Joshua stayed true to God. Every time. Yeah, and that's why Joshua did what he did, because God took care of the situation. He told him when to go, and we don't stand still long enough for God to talk to us. Right. That's right. I'm guilty of that. Oh, yeah. And that's why I fail. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to. Yeah. I'm going to take care of myself. Oh, yeah. Well, fall on your face. Mm-hmm. But Joshua stayed true to God. He did. And God. And that's why this, I don't know if this guy that went to Joshua knew God. Mm-hmm. You know, or not. But he knew what Joshua had done. That's right. And he wanted Joshua's help. That's right. Like I said, I don't know the guys. We don't know. No. You know, it's it's pure speculation uh, one way or the other, right? The reputation of Joshua. That's right. If AI and uh, Jericho. Jericho. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's right. That's, that was quite an accomplishment. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. With not doing anything, you know, with even at Jericho, all he did was blow a trumpet. You know, and that, and the walls came down. But, you know, with that, um, I don't like to admit that I failed, but I've failed. But I have to admit that I failed because I need God's strength. Because I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, Joshua was able to go to that next battle and win. Because not of his strength, not because of his battle plan. And I mean, sure, he had a good battle plan, but that's not why they won. That's not why it took place, but it was because of the God in which he believed in. And so when we feel overwhelmed, look, I, I, I've been there. I, I've been overwhelmed. I've been, well, man, I, what am I going to do? I've got to go back to God and plead to Him because He is my answer. He is the one that can help me get to get past this. Because what did Joshua do? The very next verse, he quickly ran up the mountain. And from what I understand is that where Gilgal was compared to where Gibeon was, it was up a hill 1,500 feet in the air. And so he had to climb the mountain, and they said, I, I think, let me read what I wrote down, I think 15, uh, 15 to 20 miles. Uh, if, if I understand correctly, or I read it correctly, that there, this was a huge, huge thing that he had to ascend from Gilgal. He had to go 
uh, with speed and as fast as he could so that he could bring help to Gibeon. Because if Joshua hesitates or if Joshua doesn't move and those people don't get to Joshua when they do, then they don't get the help that they need when they needed it. And that is so true when we need help, when we need help, we got to go get it. Don't drag our feet about getting help. Drag our feet about going. Don't drag our feet about going to the Savior. And so when he came, verse number 7, he ascended from Gilgal and went up there with the people of war and the mighty men of valor. And look, Joshua was given a promise from God in verse number 8. He said, uh, verse number 8, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Hey, he's making his way up there. I, I just see it. And God says, Hey, Joshua, listen. He said, Fear them not. For I've delivered them into thy hand. He said, this is my promise to you. You're going up the mountain and it's yours. And they're yours. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2, Joshua told, God told Joshua that Jericho was his. In Joshua chapter 8 and verse number 1, God told Joshua that Ai was his. And so this was confirmation that Gibeon, you're going to get them. And you're, I'm going to protect you, and it's going to be yours. If we just believe and trust in him, then he will help deliver us. Now, this all took place, but it wasn't uh, God's deliverance was not without the work and the hardness of running up that mountain. I mean, you think about what it took for him to get up off of where he was and run up the mountain and the sweat and the tears and the, and the blood that he shed going up. I mean, just all of them running up the mountain as fast as they could. And the Bible says in verse number 9, they went all night. So they went during the night. How much more difficult it was for Joshua to get up that place in the night. So sometimes the battle that we face that God allows us to win will not come without a little bit of hard work and a little bit of sweat on our part. We sit back, well, oh, God, answer this prayer, and then we don't do anything about it. Right? Don't put any work to what we've asked God to do. But Joshua, he came to Joshua, he prayed, and then Joshua went to work. And then when he got up to the top of the mountain, God did the work. Because of the work that Joshua put in. Divine help does not exclude human, ex, uh, uh, how do you say it, exertion. Uh, you have to exert something. I, we have to exert help, exert work. Sometimes it takes work. And when we work, God will bless. It took Joshua moving. His effort and sacrifice brought success. And God chased him away. In verse number 11, God discomforted him. That was success. Then in verse number 10 as well, the great slaughter. God brought death. And then they ran away. Hmm. Why? Because of their plea and Joshua's movement. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? Putting little 
footwork to your prayer. We do. We do. We absolutely do. Sometimes we give God a list of things we want done and accomplished, but won't do anything for our, won't do anything um, to help God get those things accomplished. But just expect Him to do it, just because we've asked Him to do it. Yes, sir. The Lord blesses work. He blesses work. If we're praying and we're asking God to work, and then we put some work behind it, God will bless it. It may not be how you want it to be, and it won't, it will not, I'm sorry, it will not be the way that you think it ought to be, but it is the way that God wants it to be, and He'll bless it. Um, but we need to be careful on our motives, you know, why we do what we do. Why we're doing what we're doing, you know. I heard a statement years ago. It said, um, pray like it depends on God. And work like it depends on you. But ultimately, it all depends on God. But I need to work for the Lord. If I'm not willing to work for the Lord, how can I expect God to bless it? Right? Any thoughts or questions before we close? Any comments? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for everyone that's